You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a great Tuesday show for you. Boy, you talk about two Monday night games going into it that you were like, eh, whatever. Both of them coming down to the very end. Two great games. Man, (laughs) everything I said yesterday about last night's game went the opposite way. We will discuss that. How about that Giants-Packers game ending just like somebody predicted back in 1988? I'll explain that. We'll also talk a little bit more about what happened with Kadarius Toney and the Kansas City Chiefs. Somebody came out yesterday with more evidence that maybe the Chiefs did have a bit of a gripe. I'll explain that. The Eagles' defense is absolutely terrible. Dak Prescott is now your favorite for the MVP, just like I said he would be on Friday if the Cowboys won. Do you know how many teams of the 32 teams in the NFL are either 7-6 and six or 6-7? Six and seven? I bet you'll be surprised. I'll talk to you about what I watch for when I watch NFL games. And something I said about the Lakers yesterday gets proven wrong. And we will talk about that as well. A lot to get to today. We'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's get going. We'll start here. Yesterday, in the podcast, I said, hey, we had a 4-1 weekend in the NFL. We've got two pending plays tonight. We've got the New York Giants on the bye, plus seven. And all we got to do, all we have to do is close out a three-team 10-point tease because Kansas City covered their 8.5, Broncos covered their 13. All the Miami Dolphins had to do was cover three a three-point spread at home against a 4-8 and eight team. And what did I tell you in yesterday's podcast? I was like, look, guys, I don't want to say anything's a victory, but I think we're safe to say that Miami Dolphins can beat the Tennessee Titans by three. So we're 5-1 and one looking for a 6-1 and one day with the Giants. Hopefully they cover against the Green Bay Packers. Well, <laughs> the opposite happened. The easy cover was the Giants since they were never not covering seven points all game long against the Packers. But yet the Miami Dolphins lose outright to the Tennessee Titans and not only lose outright, they went up 27-13 with less than six minutes left in the game. And then with a minute and 48 left, they were down one. Just bad, bad coaching by the Dolphins once they got the ball back. So, and it's not like Tennessee was set up with a short field. Tennessee falls behind 27-13 after back-to-back turnovers inside their own 15-yard line. Miami scores twice, goes up 27-13. Tennessee gets the ball back. The exact, let me look at the exact timing on this. Four minutes and 34 seconds left in that game. And the Titans are down by two touchdowns to the Miami Dolphins. Six-yard play. Incomplete. Then a gain of 12. Then an incomplete pass. Five-yard play. Then a 21-yard pass. Then an eight-yard pass. Then a 23-yard pass. And a three-yard pass. Touchdown. So Tennessee scores with two minutes and 46 seconds left to cut it to 27-19. And they go for two, knowing, let's see if we can win this on the road. They get it. They're down 27-21 with 240 left. Miami gets the ball back. Rush for three yards, timeout by Tennessee. Rush for one yard, timeout by Tennessee. Pass up the middle. Tua has to scramble. Didn't matter. Offensive holding. Punt. The Dolphins took 
exactly 16 seconds off the clock once they punted back to Tennessee and Tennessee took over. So Tennessee, 27-21, they give the ball back to the Dolphins with two minutes and 40 seconds left. And the Dolphins go three and out. Tennessee gets the ball back with 240, which, excuse me, 224 left. So 16 seconds off the clock. Not great play calling by the Dolphins. And then Tennessee, first play, 36-yard pass. They're already down to Miami's 28-yard line. I mean, it's just, and then a two-minute warning hits. Then the 16-yard pass. Then a six-yard pass. They almost scored too early. But it didn't matter. Miami gets the ball back. Tennessee's defense bows up. Stop them on fourth down, ball game. Tennessee, 28-27 winners after being down 27-13 with four and a half minutes left in the game on the road. Just some things in the NFL you just can't explain. Nobody can explain that. That made no sense whatsoever. The other game, back and forth, Giants blow a lead. Green Bay takes the lead, 22-21. Little over, little under two minutes to go. And here comes old Tommy DeVito that somehow has led the New York Giants to three straight wins. And they're in New Orleans next week. The Giants could be looking at four straight wins. He gets the ball back at his own 25-yard line with a minute and a half left, needing to get in field goal range. Five-yard gain, seven-yard gain, nine-yard gain, um, 32-yard gain, and then they basically just downed it and kicked a field goal. Two seconds left, and they won it. So the Giants beat the Packers 24-22 to with a last-second field goal. Where have you heard that before? Well, I'll refresh your memory. 1988, here we go. Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Coming to America, a movie that came out in 1988, just predicted the outcome of a football game on Monday Night Football in 2023. The Giants kicking an oblong-shaped object through a big H and beat the the Giants of New York taking on the Packers of Green Bay. <laughs> it was all over Twitter last night. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that was great to hear that somebody came up with that. But, hey, Giants, three in a row with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. All I'm going to say is this. There is the largest survivor pool in all of America that is now down to 14 people with a prize of $9.2 million staring people in the face. And then there is my pool, which is a decent amount if we win it, 15 people left in our pool, and I've got two spots left. I don't have anybody left in the other one. I was out in like week 10. And I've been picking games since then, and I would have lost this week because I just didn't have a lot of teams left, and I'd been telling my buddies, hey, this is who I would have picked just to <laughs> basically torture myself. I would have taken Green Bay this week, so I would have lost last night, and I would have literally probably thrown something at the TV. All right. 
Before um, we take a break here, uh, I want to talk about this. Did you see what Dan Orlovsky put on his Twitter yesterday? Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback for the Lions, ESPN analyst now. He's really, really good. He was on the Monday night game in Miami last night with Chris Fowler and Lewis Reddick. On his Twitter feed yesterday, he said, I went back and watched every single snap of the Kansas City Chiefs on offense against the Bills on Sunday. And he found five, count them, five other times where Kadarius Toney was lined up offsides. And the referees, one, never told him to scoop back. Two, never get, you know never gave him a warning, never gave the team a warning. Kadarius Toney never looked at the ref to check to see if he was okay. See, now that's where I have an issue. Because if five other times during the game, he lined up in the exact same spot he lined up when he was offsides on the play where they scored the touchdown, why aren't you telling him, either him or the coach, hey, tell your receiver to line up on sides. We'll let it, we'll let it go for now, but they never said a word. And Dan Orlovsky not only said, I watched all five, I watched every snap for Kansas City, he actually showed you each play. So he circled Kadarius Tony in the video and said, look, he's offsides here, just as egregious as he was on the last play that he got called for the penalty when they scored the touchdown. So now there's only so much you can do. I mean, it's just, it's human error, but I understand now why Kansas city is pissed and why Patrick Mahomes said, look, you can't call that play. And it was the first time in the history of Patrick Mahomes being the quarterback of the Kansas city chiefs that an offensive offsides was called on his receiver. It had never happened before. And the fact that Kadarius Tony had four or five, it's either four or five other times that Dan Orlovsky was able to find the video footage of of him being blatantly offsides. Look, he was offsides on that last play. No one is disputing that. Kansas City Chiefs are like, oh, maybe he wasn't. No, he was definitely offsides. But he had four other times during the game where he was offsides, and referees never said a word to him, never warned him, never told him to scoop back, and never told the coach, hey, you got to watch this. If you don't, we're going to call it. So... Well, there's nothing you can do about it now, and yes, the Kansas City Chiefs' frustration has more to do with the fact that they're not as good as they are in the past, and they're sitting there at 8-5 and five and probably going to be a three seed in the playoffs, and yet they're still not playing well, especially not playing well at home. They've lost to the Lions at home this year. They've lost to the Bills at home this year. They've lost to the Eagles at home this year. Like They're not unbeatable at Arrowhead, even though I know that's not the name of the stadium, I don't think. Giha Stadium, is that what it's called now? I still call it Arrowhead. Whatever the case may be, they're not unbeatable. So they don't have this this air of invincibility about them anymore when it comes to at least this year's playoffs. Maybe next year they're going to improve their team and get some more speed at receiver. But right now, they are not unbeatable at home, as evidenced by they've already lost three times at home this year. So I think that's probably leading to their frustrations and the fact that they've lost two in a row. But Hey, they do have a gripe. I didn't realize it had happened that many other times. If that was Kadarius Tony's first one, okay. I can almost understand it, why they called it, because I was like, oh, wow, we're, we're looking at this right now, and he's offsides. Throw the flag. But if you allowed it all game, why are you throwing it then? Like, that's what I want to know now, and the referees for that game aren't going to have to answer to it. We're moving on to the next week already in the NFL. We're moving on to week 15 they said what they said. It was a screw-up. It probably shouldn't have been thrown in that situation, and if it 
And if it was, it should have been thrown earlier in the game as well. So nothing you do about it now, but it was an interesting thing to point out. Uh, kudos to Dan Orlovsky for pulling video on that. We talked a little about the Eagles-Cowboys game yesterday. Boy, the Eagles are a very, very weird team this year. They still control their own destiny. Now, I'm not even sure that's a given anymore. Considering the way the Giants are playing, considering that Arizona has beaten Dallas this year, has beaten Pittsburgh on the road, Philly's got four games left. At Seattle, home Giants, away Giants, at Arizona. Not in that order, but Arizona sandwiches the two Giants games. But they got Seattle on Monday night next week in Seattle. Philly is 10-3 and this year, and their point differential is plus 21. Which goes to show Philly has not been a dominant team whatsoever at all this year. They're like this year's version of the Minnesota Vikings last year. Remember when the Vikings were 11-0 in one-score games during the regular season and then they get to the playoffs and they went 0-1 in a one-score game when they lost to the Giants? I'm not saying Philly's losing in the first round, but if you look at Philly's defensive statistics, they're terrible. They're a terrible defensive team. And we all know defensive teams or bad defensive teams do not do well in the NFL playoffs. You don't have to be the 85 Bears, or you don't have to be the 2,000 Ravens, but you have to be able to get stops. Look at where Philly ranks in the most important defensive categories in the NFL this year. Remember, there's 32 teams in the NFL. They rank 24th in points allowed per game. They rank 22nd in yards allowed per game. Rush defense, pretty good. They're top four. They're fourth in the... NFL in rush yards, but everything else, pass yards per game, they're ranked 29th, third down percentage, they're ranked dead last, red zone touchdown percentage, 29th, explosive play percentage, 28th, sacks per attempt, 22nd, points per drive, 29th, turnover percentage, 26th. They're not a good defense, which basically means they could get beat by anybody. Last year, they were really good defensively. This year, not so much. Their quarterback, while Jalen Hurts has had a great year so far, he also has 15 turnovers attributed to him. After the game on Sunday night, Dak Prescott is now your favorite to win the MVP. He's at plus 175 to win the MVP now, which I told you was going to happen if Dallas won because they currently have the best record in the NFC, tied for the best record with Philly, And San Francisco, he beat Jalen Hurts, played better than Jalen Hurts on Sunday. And San Francisco's got like three players worth getting it. They're all going to take each other's votes. Like Brock Purdy's deserving. Debo Samuel's deserving. Christian McCaffrey's deserving. Dallas has one leader right now, and that's Dak Prescott. And he's leading the best team in the NFC. Nobody in all of football has a better record than 10-3. and Baltimore has a 10-3 record in the AFC. So four teams have a 10-3 record. Hey, Lamar is up there. Brock Purdy is up there. But right now, Dak is the favorite. If he holds on and Dallas runs the table and somehow finishes the season 4-0, winning at Buffalo, winning at Miami, home against Detroit, at Washington, he'll deserve it. I don't know if they can finish out the season going 4-0. But if they do, they will be a very, very – people. The, the script might flip when it comes to talking about the Cowboys, because we've just never seen a regular season like this since their Super Bowl year. 13 and three was the best they ever did. And they lost at home to the Giants the year, the first year the Giants won uh, their Super Bowl. 
first time they beat the Patriots. So you just got to keep that in mind. The Cowboys could also finish the season 4-0, go 14-3, and and never step on their home field during the playoffs. That's still a possibility because although Philly is 10-3 and and has four straight home games against under 500 teams to end the season, they control their own destiny. They, they drop one of them, they're going to need Dallas to drop one as well. But it's all there for Philly for the taking. But their defense absolutely stinks. I just read you all those statistics. That's an awful, awful defense this year. You can't run on them, but you can throw on them all you want. How about this for parity in the NFL? 32 teams in the NFL. If I asked you right now, how many teams are 7-6 and six or 6-7 six and seven this year? How many would you say? probably like six, seven, eight, try 13. 13 teams are either seven and six or six and seven with four games left to play in the season. That is unreal. We talked about it yesterday that there's six, seven and six teams in the AFC right now. The sixth seed, seventh seed, eighth seed, ninth seed, 10th seed, and 11th seed. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 are all seven and six. Now that's going to play itself out. Indy and Pittsburgh, both seven and six play each other this weekend. So the loser of that probably has a very, very tough road to get to the playoffs. But yeah, you got to keep that in mind going ahead, going forward. There's so much that can happen these last few weeks. The NFC, we pretty much know who the gold standard is right now. It's going to be the Niners, the Cowboys, or the Eagles. If two of those teams aren't playing in the NFC Championship game, something happened. Some, but there was a major, major upset somewhere. I, I got to believe the NFC Championship game is either going to be Niners hosting the Cowboys or Cowboys and Eagles in a third time this year. And all depending on who wins the NFC East will be determining who's hosting that game. Um, I, one thing about the Lakers that I wanted to talk about because I brought it up yesterday I was like, look, first year of the in-season tournament, there's already tweaks that are being talked about for next year, what the players want, what the coaches want, what the league wants, how they're going to schedule the games, what time they're going to be played, how they're going to do it, are they going to change up the groups, are they going to make it six groups of five teams, and you get or five groups of six teams with three wild cards instead of what they had this year. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I do know this. <laughs> What's really, really interesting is I didn't think, and look, this is just, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but what I said yesterday was, hey, it's not like the Lakers are going to throw this in anybody's face and be like, yay, look at us puffing our chests out. We're the in season champions. It's like, it's not like they're going to raise a banner to this. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> the Lakers announced yesterday they will reveal a banner for the in-season tournament on December 18th. Shit, they're not even waiting. In less than a week, they're already going to raise a banner. Now, there are, they're also going to make sure the banner looks 180 degrees different than any sort of NBA championship banner. It's going to be smaller. It's going to have a different color. It's not going to be I guess right next to all their championship banners but they are going to raise a banner which I don't have a problem with the whole thing being look it's the first time anybody's ever won this I think you got to acknowledge it within your arena I don't have a problem with it I just just I guess I never really thought it through 
it does make sense to have an in-season tournament winner banner. Why not? You won it. The first one ever. You won seven games. You went 7-0, and and you beat every team pretty handily. So congratulations. I don't think this is going to be like, you know, I, again, I, I don't think they're going to talk about this until the end of time. Uh, I think they'll say they gained some confidence. The games had a playoff atmosphere, which you usually don't get in November and December, but that's where they'll leave it. It's not going to matter come playoff time. Nobody's going to be more intimidated or less intimidated because the Lakers won the in-season tournament this year. The Lakers are going to be a tough out. If this team is healthy come playoff time, I think they are going to win the West. And now you say, like, well, what about Denver? Like, they've got the most unstoppable player all right now in the NBA and Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I agree. But I think the Lakers can match up this year. Remember, while Denver did sweep the Lakers last year in the Western Conference Finals, every game was close in the fourth quarter. So it's not like the Lakers are so far behind them. And I just think if the Lakers are healthy, they will be coming out of the West this year. Their height and their defensive team is so much better than Denver's that I don't think Denver's a great defensive team. And last year, I think the Lakers were just... They weren't there yet. They were too young. They had just put their team together basically since the All-Star break. Now they've had a full year. And by the time the playoffs roll around this year, assuming everybody is healthy, that's a big if, because you marvel at LeBron James and what he's done, but every time that guy drives to the rim or every time he jumps and lands, when you've got 21 years under your belt and over 60,000 minutes played, you could blow a tire at any point. I mean, he could rip his Achilles he can, you just don't know. And it's just father time never loses. And he's getting up there in age. He's put, he's had more miles on his legs than anybody in the history of the league. What he's doing right now is pretty much ungodly, but his next step, you know, tear a quad, tear a hamstring, blow his Achilles. You just don't know. You hope it doesn't happen, but you can't say like when a 39 year old, you know, drives the lane and plants or something, you just don't know. You hope it doesn't, but you just don't know. But if this team is healthy and they have a healthy AD, a healthy LeBron, and a healthy bench going into the playoffs, I think they're going to win the West. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Um, these, uh, my daily roundup is up on my Reality Steve podcast feed if you want to Check that out. A lot going on in Bachelor Nation world. So many breakups in this franchise over the last four days. We go over that, plus some other things. We do talk a little bit about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and the ridiculous headlines people put on them. But thank you for listening. I appreciate it. A five and two week after a six and one week in gambling. I'll take 11 and three over two weeks any day of the week. So happy with that. I can't believe we didn't go 12 and two because the Miami Dolphins couldn't cover a three-point spread at home against Tennessee Titans, even though they were up by two touchdowns with four and a half minutes left. But whatever. Not bitter. Not bitter. Um, but thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you. Oh, the best. Oh, the best.